Welcome to The Green Rush, a podcast about the intersection of cannabis, the capital markets, and culture. On a weekly basis, hosts Ann Donahoe and Nick Opich of KCSA Strategic Communications speak with the business leaders, financial experts, cultural icons, legislators, and generally interesting people moving the cannabis and psychedelics industries forward. This week, Ann and Phil Carlson are back for a new episode with special guest Dan Dano O'Neill, founding partner of Steeper Grown. Dano joins us this week to discuss his pathway to the cannabis industry and Steeper Grown, the company's affordable vertical grow system and other offerings, and his concerns and solutions for the current state of the cannabis industry. If you're interested in learning more about Steeper Grown and its vertical grow system visit the links in our show notes also be sure to follow dano and steeper grown on linkedin so sit back and enjoy our conversation with dan o'neill of steeper grown Thanks for joining us today, Dano, and welcome. Let's begin with a little bit of background. Um, you are kind of have lots of different experiences. Um, and I think that, uh, you know, I think that coming into the cannabis space um, is is always interesting. But talk about your path to to getting here. Hello, good morning. Um, yeah, I, I, I think that my path is similar to a lot of people's path, right? So I always tell people that when they ask, like, how do you get into this? I think there's three reasons people get into this space, really. One is the compassion window. They know somebody, either themselves or somebody that was sick or uh, have some kind of a chronic illness and they couldn't get real answers. They were searching for them and, and had to go out on their own and, and go find them. So that's one of the reasons I got into this space. I had friends that were um, dealing with things and I was in Colorado, right? So why not ask somebody who lives in Colorado? I'm not afraid of the plant or the industry. And so I was helping a lot of people and I couldn't get really good answers, frankly, um, but not just bud tenders, but just business people about what is RSO and what should I be taking if my, my mom's on chemo and all these different different struggles. So that was one reason I was really interested. The second is, um, you know, money. People want to make some money. There was an opportunity with, you know, a lot of people, let's just say 80% of the, of the country on the sidelines for this when it launched, you know, uh, 10 years ago or so. And so I was interested in, in changing careers and seeing if I could use my my IP, my my past history, and and find a path uh, forward to to make some money in this part of my life. And uh, and then the last one is I think people get in because they they are mad at the government or they love the plants. I put those two at the same thing, you know. Um, the fact that this is uh, this plant has been illegal and vilified by pick your lobbyist groups. Um, you know, big pharma, big alcohol, big tobacco, and um, kept this plant illegal is really criminal, frankly. Um, big God. Yeah, big, okay. you know, some, somebody, tell you a story about that. Um, but also they love the plant. They've always liked the plant. It's been part of their life. They've always, you know, grown it and, and, um, and, and worked with it. And now they have a chance to do something out of the mom's basement with it. So I have all three of those things, right? I, it working for me. That's why I get into it. They just seem to align my background aligned with it. I have, you know, packaging and, and construction background and, and, um, agricultural and uh, organic fertilizer background. And, and so I, I saw that as an alignment. Um, I think this plant should be 
legal and available to everybody, you know, regulated. So if you're going to sell it, but legal for everybody to use and understand and, and studied. Right. And, uh, you know, if you can make money doing it, you make money, then you can do more good. Right. So you can make things happen. And so, so all those things, long answer to your question is that I, I get into it for those reasons. And, um, and uh, it's like everybody in this space, it's everyone's an entrepreneur, right? Not one person didn't have to tell somebody that they're in the cannabis or psychedelic space or whatever. They had to kind of come out on that and say, I'm, I'm in this space, right? And it's new. So you're an entrepreneur, right? So that's, that's, we're all, we're all that way, right? Right. So speaking of entrepreneurship, you're a founding partner of Steeper Grown. Can you share an overview of what the company does? Sure thing. So when I got into the space, um, it's had different iterations. Steeper Grown's been in its current form almost three years now, but different iterations um, with the same two partners, um, Adam Hudgens and, and uh, Mitch Anderson. So there's just the three of us. But what we are is we're, we're a network of vetted subject matter experts and partners, right? So we have worked over the last 10 years, and some of us look at them longer, uh, identifying good partners and people that are experts in their field, whether that's, you know, security, fertigation, irrigation, you know, uh, packaging, whatever. So we have accumulated all these different partners. And so we're aggregation of those players. But when I jumped into this space, I was looking for something that was interesting. I tend to like disruptive technologies, things that are different, that that are unique, that that I'm not just honestly not going to get in and be like, hey, I'm selling LED lights. Good luck differentiating in that space. So when I when I started in Colorado about eight years ago, I guess, I met Adam and Adam was running um, a grow and he was working with a vertical grow system. And what you see today, almost everybody does some version of a vertical grow, right? Um, but those are what I call bunk beds, right? They're like four by eight tables, about four by eight tables and so forth. Um, what Adam was doing was completely different. He was creating a wall of weed, if you will, and a very different system. And so when I j jumped into the space, I was kind of learning under him and I continue to learn under him. He's fantastic. He's an expert in in uh, operational efficiency, layout and design because he's run these, these grows. And what he was doing was reducing the cost per pound or per gram, whatever you like to use, um, substantially. And, and so that's how I got into the space. Um, and from that, we, we developed uh, a system and, and what I call a black box of here's all the parts that make up this vertical growth system to be super efficient. And that's how we, we launched. So Steeper Grown, after several iterations and several installations and changes, has come a long way like anything if we're probably on like 8.0 version of, of our grow right now. Um, and we don't just do the vertical, frankly, we do whatever, but in some places it's the right way to go with your high ceilings or depending on the regulations and, and so forth, there's a lot of reasons to use it. Um, but, but that's one leg of what we do now. We advise clients on how to design their grow, what equipment they should be using and what they should do for their specific need, which by the way, every state's different, right? What can you do? What can't you do? Is it a canopy regulation, a square foot regulation, things like that? Um, but we also, over the past three years now, have done brand management. So part of, uh, you know, Adam's really our focus on the cultivation. Um, I've really jumped right into brand management. So how if you're an SSO, you're a single state operator, and you're a left-handed sugar sweet gummy in Illinois, how do you 
especially with COVID and different reasons not to get out networks. How do you become an MSO? How do you become a multi-state operator when you can't go to Boston and meet people that can make your product? Well, you don't know the marketplace, right? Is there a need for your left-handed sugar sweet gummy in Boston, right? So, so that's what we do. We, we know co-packers in different places that have an appetite and a, an ability to make products. And we match make them with brands that want to expand and have, you know, funding and, and the understanding how to do that. So that's a big part of our business. Maybe the second leg. Are you guys going to the MSOs directly? Are they coming to you? Like you say brand management, are these guys that are looking to ex- expand their brand portfolio or like, or are they having certain problems with their brands? How, how does that work? Yeah, it's great. It's a great question, Phil. The reality is, we're not really, we're into building MSOs, if you will, not the big MSOs that you think of. Right. Um, frankly, they, you know, and they, a lot of them do, but a lot of them ha- have it figured out, right? So um, what we're talking about is- Do they, though? Yeah, well, <laughs> that's why I air quoted. So if this is not video, you can see my air quotes. <laughs> but, and a full, no, luxurious head of hair. Yes, exactly. When you Photoshop my my Afro, it'll be fantastic. Um <laughs> Yeah, so so that's the thing though. It's it's looking for people, and it's word of mouth mouth with us, right? We're not pushing out SEO. We're not Brandy. We go to all the shows as we've seen you guys at the Benzinga shows, where people are looking for funding, and at the MGM packs and things like that. We're looking for people that have heard about us, frankly, and said, you know, we need we need a product line extension. We've got three flavors of gummy. We want to get into a vape, or mm-hmm. we're in Missouri and we want to get into some other states. How do we do that? We know we need to get there fairly quickly. We don't have time to run all over the country. So we're running into people kind of organically, or the other side is our co-packers, right? We're working with several co-packers. We're particularly strong in Ohio, believe it or not. And with a, with a group called Benelis. Um, Benelis, it's medical only, but they're in Columbus. They're very strong co-packer and they use co-packing or white white labeling as a mm-hmm. business model, not just as a, you know, a freak out. I, we're not doing so well. Let's start making other people's products. It's a, it's a conscious decision there. And so they will come to us and they maybe brought on a new brand that we didn't know, or they're hearing about a new brand that wants to expand and they'll give us that lead. Same thing with some of our other co-packers in Massachusetts and, and Colorado and so forth. So, so yeah, it's, it's an organic process where co-packers want more business. Um, we know that they have the equipment, um, they have open cycle times, right? Or maybe um, we have a, a brand that's that's ready to go and they're 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 funded and they're ready to launch somewhere else. What you'll what we find though is where we come in really handy is making that match work. Like, what's the deal look like? Is it a licensing deal? Is it a co-packer deal? Who's going to do the last mile? Like some some co-packers, right? Some licensed producers with a kitchen say they're like, I will make your product, you know. Mr. Brand or Mrs. Brand, but I'll make it dock ready. I, I just have it at the end of the dock. I'm not going to take it out to the stores. I can't sell it for you. Mm. So that's a big challenge. You have to get that last mile figured out. Otherwise, it's it's really just transactional and they won't survive. So what we're helping them do is finding that last mile. Is it sales? Is it a, a series of of you know beyond LeafLink? You know what other software platforms are out there? Mm. Is it feed on the street? Right. Other people, you need to put a brand manager in that state. So those types of things. So we're helping them navigate. There's a lot of complexities there. What are the regs? You know, what's your packaging? I'm going to tell you, Ohio's is, I'll just use this as an example, Ohio's medical, right? Mm-hmm. So what can you name your products in Ohio? And we've had brands that had to change their name because that their name, really? wasn't, approved. Their name wasn't approved, for instance. Really? So 
Like yeah. what was the name? Like was it? Well, like, the, one of the brands we work with is uh, long ribs is, or whatever. Or <laughs> yeah. Well, was well, it just like for a, my arthritis, I need yeah. I need massive bong rips for my arthritis. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that doesn't fly. Plus, it plus there's no there's no uh, combustion in Ohio. So figure that one out. Weed's legal, but you can't smoke um, it. So you're supposed to take it home and rub it on your head. I guess I don't know what they think you're you're going to do with it, but. And Ohio sells tenths, not eights, so they just want to be different, I guess. But, uh, but you, like things like animals on the package can't do right. Uh, everything that sounds too recreational. I mean, one of the brands that we work with, um, it's actually started in Arizona. They're they're all over now. Is Chew and Chill. Yeah. And, and can't use it. Chill too recreational, right? Um, so they had to change the name. So it, it's tough. It's like Canada. Well, right? that's to someone suffering name. from anxiety. I'd like to right. go, please. Thank you. Right. right, right. Well, there's a new yeah. there's a new brand that we're launching in Ohio first. It's a really cool brand. It's called Throwback, and it's a they're vintage flavored uh, edibles. It's caramels and and fast acting full spec. It's a really cool cool product. It's actually launching in 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 June. Um, but we had to explain, I guess, to the state that it wasn't a call to action. It's not throwbacks of edibles, right? It, so think about those we had to say it's you know it's vintage it's a it's a throwback to to these vintage flavors caramel apple and of course you know if you explain it right you can do it but if you get the wrong you know uh get the wrong regulator course they'd be like i don't like yeah. it you know if, if you want to put like koala is another one that we have in uh in ohio koala oh, chocolate it's an tomato. animal it's an animal koala. you can't use chill it's it's who you get, man. <laughs> if you get the wrong person on the wrong day, I mean, it's like that. I mean, listen, going up in the in Denver in that world, your fire inspector could be the villain or greatest person ever. You just don't know who's going to come in that day. They may tell you to oh, like put DM. a door up or but take it. It's like TSA, out. yeah, TSA yeah, exactly. or DMV. So, or, so, but yeah. but but you know, we're all in this, right? We're all entrepreneurs. Yeah. But this is our this is our curse that we've chosen is that we all have to be. We, we, we're all educators, right? You're, you're constantly educating people. If you're in an airplane and someone asks you about it, it's the same thing happening with psychedelics. And we can talk about that a bit. But yeah. you, whenever you someone asks you and they're genuine, genuinely curious, right? Then um, it's our job as people in the space to actually help them understand. You know, like I talk to right. people all the time about the word marijuana. I don't use the word marijuana. I don't, don't think either. we should use that in yeah. you know, MJ biz and all these other things. We have to get away from it. And if you look up the history, you'll know why. But I constantly tell people, you know, I don't use that word. They'll say cannabis. They might not know mm -hmm. cannabis if they true, truly don't know. And yeah. I'll explain to them why I don't use the term. Right. And I actually, when my one of my businesses, Rediscover Cannabis, we had a T-shirt that was really popular at MJ biz was, please don't use the M word. And people loved it. Like, what is that? Wow. That's so, that's so, you know. Yeah, I, uh, I, but and it's a, there is an evolution. We don't use we don't use the term black market, you know, anymore. We're constantly, you know, changing right. that. It's illicit. Um, so you know, or gray market or whatever California. you want to call it. And, <laughs> and in California, it's gray market or traditional gray market. Exactly. However you want to put or uh, OG, OGs. OGs. Like, yeah. Yeah. Yep. Well, like um, you say it's it's deeper grown. We're OGs, but not like a traditional OG. Like in California in the weed, but like we're OGs in the regulated in the regulated space, 10 years and or yeah. so in Colorado. That's pretty OG for the regulated space, I would say. We we could oh we for could, sure. We could we could achieve that that uh that status, I think. But we yeah. don't so, use it. 
and so you're kind of this this hybrid of consulting and uh, network, you know, like bringing the people together of you know through through your partners and all of that stuff. So bringing the right people to the right client and helping them solve problems. Right. That well, I mean, Mitch, my partner Mitch calls me the human hyphen, right? So what I do <laughs> is I I connect people, right? So sometimes you connect them to. Um, and, and and that's your intellectual property and you make money because that's a lead for somebody and you can monetize that. But right. a lot of times you, you don't, right? And, and like financing is a good one, funding, right? People are constantly looking for money in the space. Everyone's got their hat yeah. out and has to, right? Because that's the way the space is. And so we're not broker dealers, right? But we talked to a lot of right. people, Benzinga conferences and so forth, where people have money or looking yeah. for the right place to get in. So a lot of our clients, whether they're brand or copac or license holder, or cultivator, um, if they don't get money, they're not going to make it. And if they don't get money, frankly, they can't pay us to do what we do. So we make connections in that that uh, scope all the time, right? What's the range? What's the money range these guys are looking for? A million to five, or is it up to like a hundred million? What's the? Yeah, I mean that's it's not funny because it's a totally different investor, right? There's several different types of investors there. If you're looking for if you're looking for a million, almost everyone will come back and say, "Great, go to your friends and family. Show me that you're mm -hmm. in this." Most people that we're talking to are beyond that. They're looking for that. They're trying to become an MSO, right? They need half a million dollars, uh, you know, up to $4 million to take their brand across other states. If you're a cultivator and you're not into, you know, over 10 or $15 million, you're not going to make it because you'll be raising money the rest of your life, right? Mm -hmm. So you really have to. And our vertical system is expensive, but it will pay for itself. But it's it's more expensive than a traditional space. So So the cultivation is really, really expensive. Um, brands, I think, are the least expensive because you can launch a brand as a brand with just IP and not own the license. And that's the model that most people come to us with is, you know, I've got a, a brand and I want to just take it with my SOPs, with my ingredients and my packaging into a new state. They don't need to have a license, right? So they're just going to put all their money into the last mile and, you know, in ingredients and do a licensing deal or a co-packer revenue share or something like that. Do you tell us can you give us any brands that you've worked with that uh, you've helped to get across other state lines? Yeah, I mean, um, we mentioned a, a few of them. Um, we worked in, um, I'll just give you some of the unique ones. I mean, we work in with uh, Atlas Edibles out of out of Oakland, um, and they're working on a, a really cool, which I think is a really big opportunity in that powdered drink called Alta. Um, which is a which is a cool one. Uh, we're looking at some places for them right now. Um, we launched the new that new product throw, throwback edibles. Um, that's a, that's a new launch. Um, there's a product out of believe it or not, Rhode Island <laughs> called Yellow Labs, and our friend Ander there is is now uh, progressing into different places, including Ohio, Connecticut, Rhode Island. Uh, they they have actually have dogs. Yellow Labs. That's where it came from. But it's Aww. a great name. Great name for a sublingual. It's a it's like you're gonna date myself here saying Panaka Blast, but it's a it's like the the click product, if you will, right? Uh, it's yeah. a really effective uh, uh sublingual uh, mist you spray on your tongue or under your tongue. And, and that's legal in Ohio. That's it will be, yeah, yeah. It's legal in Ohio because it's not no, but he's looking to take that brand oh, to Ohio. Oh yeah. yeah, it's already approved. They're already selling it there. They're just launching. They're actually going to launch a topical now. And that's a that's a thing that's really cool about this stuff. Because if you talk if you talk to somebody who's got a sublingual, what do they want to do? They want to do some. They want another form factor, right? If you talk to somebody who's got a gummy, they want to do, a, you know, a, another form factor. They want to do a topical, or they want to get into the vape world. Everyone's trying to do a product line extension, 
I mean, the easiest way is to do a flavor or some other, you know, go from a, a gummy to a hard candy, but you're looking for more shelf space, you know, to stay unique and different in these different places. Yeah. So oftentimes people get in with their flagship product, then how do you stay relevant? What can right. you do? And, right. you know, 80%, I think, I mean, you can check my math, but it's close of the edible market is gummies, right? Because they're easy to make. In my opinion, they're also easy to, to dose. If you want to take a half a gummy, you can bite it in half. You can't do that with like a Jolly Rancher type, right? Mm-hmm. So it's it's harder. And that's why you look at some cool brands like 1906 got a cool thing and some others where you've got a smaller microdose, right? You can, if you're going to make something the size of a Tic Tac and have two and a half milligrams in it, that makes sense to me. You can slowly dose over time. Uh, drinks the yeah. same thing, right? Yeah. Or if you want a wild ride, leave your gummies in your car all <laughs> day and then cut yes. them up spices. So you're trying not to waste money, but yeah. It's- the blob effect. Yeah, you got the blob effect, which is so don't tell me you did that. It was an unannounced, I forgot. We, <laughs> yeah, with 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 throwback as a caramel, put oh. on the package. Please put these in the refrigerator when you get home and yeah. away from your children. I mean, how much can you how much can you own the client experience? You're like, listen, be be smart, right? right? Don't leave this in your trunk, right? Protect them from what, themselves. What's <laughs> happening now though, which is kind of cool, which is uh, extension of this conversation is is when you're doing a product line extension, you want to improve your product. What I see happening in the edible marketplace, um, and maybe you guys will reflect this as well, is is the absolute movement to faster acting. If you're if you're making an yes. edible that takes 45 minutes, you're you won't be in business in a year. Yeah. And the technology, I track all the different technologies in that space, and I have a pretty pretty good vibe for all of it from from the different right. solutions. And what's what the unicorn in that space is, is to to create a, let's just use a gummy um, or what Throwback is doing. Use a, Get a product that's full spectrum or live rosin, right? Closer to the smoker's experience. Why don't smokers like edibles? Mostly because it's just THC and it takes too friggin' long. And that's a lot of people that are kind of yeah. curious about that experience because they take one, don't feel it, take another, and then it's lights out, right? So, so the idea that you can... Uh, have a product that's it has a little bit more of that full spectrum entourage effect that you can feel right away that doesn't taste like ass. That's the thing, right? And so that's the throwback methodology. But you couldn't do that years ago because we didn't have water soluble tech that worked effectively like that. Yeah. And we do, and we do now. And and so I think that's a big, that's a fairly big deal. So now let's say you're a gummy and you're you're left-handed chewy gooey gummy in Connecticut. And you want to do a new product launch, you could do a full spectrum version of your product, right? You could you could come out with a new um, added minor cannabinoids or different terp experiences. So it's becoming uh, a lot better. Back in the day, right? You could just you'd have to just choke down whatever tasted bad, right? Mm-hmm. Drinks never mm-hmm. were very good. You just get a, a you know five hour energy size two ounce shot. You didn't care right. if it tasted bad because it was an right. efficacy. It worked. Down the hatch. Yeah. Yeah. You down the hatch, right? Yeah. So now you don't, you don't have to do that now. You can actually get a good tasting product. Well, and if you want it, and I want to talk about the the new emulsion technology, the nano bubble technology in a second. But if, if you know, all of these beverages are coming out and, and you know, beverages, I feel like two years ago were like, oh my God, they're going to change the world. And, and, you know, but at the same time, like to your point of you want to displace alcohol, you know, you, I know what I feel like after one glass of wine. And I know the time that that takes. If I'm drinking something that again, I, it's, I take the same amount of time to drink my wine or whatever as, you know, I don't know when it's going to hit. So of course I'm not going to do that because it's not predictable. It's not, it's going to take too long. And like, 
you know, so I think that, so, so talk a little bit about the, um, the enrichment systems that you guys have partnered with. But for sure. So, um, it's kind of funny cause the things that come out of COVID, right. Um, but there's, this is uh, a technology that I've been, um, tracking for a while and, you know, COVID kind of accelerated the R and D on, on the, the system, but nanobubbles themselves, this is all for agriculture, by the way, not for, for brands and, and so forth. This is back to the ag space, but so nanobubbles have been around for a long time and you can look them up and you can go down a rabbit hole on, on the internet and just find all kinds of stuff, particularly in Japan where they're cleaning up um, wastewater and, and lagoons and, and all kinds of different nasty water spaces. Um, but basically, um, enrichment systems is patented a way to make these nano bubbles. There's other ways to do it, and there's some other companies in the space that do it. But we like enrichment systems because it's turnkey. And what this does is it actually you use it in your cultivation facility, and it's a submersible system. And you can look it up enrichmentsystems.com. It's submersible. So basically, it's got the secret sauce is this cartridge and a pump, and that goes into your water subsource into your reservoir. And that pump is pushing um, pure oxygen from an external oxygen generator sits outside of the tank and is pushing that through not even high pressure. It's reasonably low pressure. It's like 80 gallons a minute type of pressure. But what it does is it goes through the centrifuge in this in this cartridge and makes the magic happen. And it makes bubbles, pure oxygen bubbles that are basically 100,000 times smaller than a carbonated bubble. You can't even see them and they don't even float. So it's really hard. Try try to be an enrichment system salesman selling something you can't see that doesn't yeah. visible stuff. And do right? you feel it? Like if you were to have it in a glass of water, like is it like a you, soda stream that you would feel? There, there literally are. There literally is a company that makes um, nano bubble drinkable water. That the only places they sell it, to my knowledge, is in like Beverly Hills, you that know, tracks. where it's like yep. twenty five dollars a gallon, right? But yep. it's there. There's a lot of research out there, reasonable that it's good for you. Um, but uh, and, and it makes sense that it's good. But it's really if you took a if you used it in a bath, it doesn't really work very well in a hot tub because the hotter the water gets, the, the the less efficacious the bubbles will start to disperse. It, you know that's why it's really great in ag. But but yeah, it's supposed to be good for your body, right? Your skin and everything. So it's a thing. But it's it's really remarkable what it does in a grow. Um, and it, in in the cultivation, it, you drop it in, and let's just say an hour later, you're up and running. It's low energy, but what it does is it's delivering. You're probably getting, say, four to seven parts per million of dissolved oxygen in your water out of your tap at home, right, or in a grow. So that's that number, and anything under say four, under three is like dead water. It's nothing, right? But people don't in the cultivation world, people don't really know what dissolved oxygen is. They don't have a dissolved oxygen meter. They're just kind of running blind. But what we do with the ES system is we actually can um, uh, hyperoxygenate that water to about 45 parts per million, which, you know, doesn't sound like a lot, but that's, you know, six, seven, eight times what you have yeah. in your regular water. And when we generate that water in the reservoir, then it's going to go out through your emitters, travels, bangs around in your system and it gets to the emitter at the plant it's going to arrive there between say 18 and 25 which is ideal and that that hyper water goes right to the plant roots and it's incredible what it does like when i told my brother i was telling you before uh, uh off the uh before the interview about my brother he's an agronomist he's a soil scientist and he's a certified crop advisor i don't know what that even means he's just a very smart <laughs> 
dirt nerd, right? But when I told dirt him that we nerd. were nerd, that better <laughs> yeah. be his Instagram handle. Yeah. Oh man, yeah. that's what I should call him, right? So, but uh, yeah, he's a he's a funny cat. We have these funny conversations. I talk really fast, and he takes him a month to say anything. But he's very smart, <laughs> and uh, and uh, we, we we go back and forth. Um, but when I told them about the enrichment systems, nanobubbles, everything else, and getting oxygen to plant, you know, plants, roots, and everything. He he just said, duh. <laughs> like, what? Oh. Like, I'm like, usually he would just go on and on about, hey, that's really, that's really uh, amazing. So is this something is. that, like, tomato growers have been using, and we just, it, like, the cannabis people are, like, just getting around to it? Great, great lead-in for me, Anne, because what's happened is, we, because we're, our, our pedigree is cannabis, right? So, and I'm I'm the one that's out there finding this disruptive tech, and there's others out there. But this is kind of the most exciting thing right now. Um, so, so we started in cannabis, and you know how it is. People just no one wants to be a guinea pig. They're very slow to adopt. They don't share information. If they find something that's secretly good, they typically don't let the next guy know, right? So, what we have started to get incredible traction in non-cannabis areas, right? So, for instance, uh, aquaponics, right? Well, that's fish, right? You're, you have a closed loop system where the fish actually fertilize the plants. Well, what do fish breathe? They they breathe water. So if you can elevate to the right level, the water, particularly when they're feeding or then when they're crapping, there's different times. So we have got huge adoption and things we never thought we'd see, koi fishing, uh, koi farming, um, and aquaponics, right? So that's huge. And then any hydroponic system where like tomatoes, a lot of hydroponic systems, if you can elevate the water, that's your, that's your jam. So mm-hmm. we, we're getting incredible traction there. And, um, you know, cannabis is now caught on, um, to it with, with that. So steeper grown, we're just introducing it to people, people that we've already designed for people that we already have a trust factor and people get pretty excited about it, but it, it's, it's really cool. What's what the other thing about it, which is cool, not just helping the plants grow and keeping the pathogens down and having a healthier plant, which my brother would tell you, IPM, right? Integrated pest management. The best IPM is a healthy plant. So you don't have to use a lot of pesticides and other things. That's a strong plant is your best start. Besides that though, what people don't see that they're learning is that when you run hyperoxygenated water at like say 45 parts per million through all your lines, they clean all the lines. It's a cleaner. Interesting. So the biofilm, we didn't realize this as much as we're seeing now in the past year, that when that water runs through all your lines, people were having to clean out their emitters because they were getting all this stuff blowing out to their emitters. They didn't know they had a problem, right? And so they had to change out their emitters, which is a nice problem to have, put a new one in, and now they never have to clean their lines, right? You don't have to go, right, you know, um, some other- like Scrubbing bubbles fluid. too. Yeah, <laughs> scrubbing bubbles, right? Scrubbing bubbles. Um, but yeah, it, it it works really effectively to clean out biofilm, and that was one of the uh, side benefits that's now become a forefront of the benefits, right? I would imagine that that's really attractive too, and I know that that ESG is like the cannabis companies aren't necessarily thinking about it; they should be. But I mean, I have to imagine that that's really good for people who are concerned about um, the environmental impact. I mean, because this industry is known uh, while it's green, it's pretty dirty, um, especially with the regulations for the packaging and all this other stuff that's needed to accompany. Like, yeah. So all of that stuff. So I would imagine that this is a really welcome technology for people who are. What, what, what's happened over the last few years, I'm sure you've seen, especially if you looked at the MJ Biz show, right? Like how big it's gotten, where would you go back when it was, gosh, what was the other venue was at? I can't remember the name of it. it was some other- uh, The Rio, right? The, the Rio, thank you. Yeah, I mean, 
whatever, right? Back guy, guy selling tank tops and bongs, right? I mean, it was a total joke. But now you've got- That was before my MJ this time. Which yeah, I'm yeah, it shows you I'm a, little, I'm a little old school <laughs> in that. So, but it's funny, that's how I met Mitch and, and and the first time I met him, just look at each other and say, what are you doing here? It's like, want to be friends? I'm like, sure. Then we become business partners for eight years. But, but it, you know, at the, you didn't see any any big ag. You didn't see people from other industries, right? It just wasn't there. Now you go and you see people from other industries, right? They didn't just 420 their business. You know what I mean by that? 420 their business. Like I have a eyeglass company and I call it yeah. Canna eyeglasses or 420 eyeglasses, right? Yeah. They had legit businesses that were focused on that, right? They didn't just spin something off. So now you've got big ag and big you know, lighting companies and things like that. Well, what we were doing at, at Steeper Grown is we were going to other industries and other, I was going to produce shows. I was going to packaging and restaurant shows. That's where you find the different tech. If you if you find it at MJ Biz, you're probably late to the it's game. It's too late. Yeah. 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 That makes a lot of sense. And you got to find things and say, does this work? And that's why Adam is so great in, in operational creativity, right? Um, because he he would take things that I found literally at a different show, like the nano bubble guys from Richardson and and say, let's try it. Let's give it a whirl. And let's do an A-B test, by the way, in, in agriculture. What happens in our space is someone gets a new light or a new fertilizer and they change the growth cycle, they have a new grower, they change the light at the same time, they did a different strain. They can't tell what works and what didn't. Yeah, what A-B test, like, what are you talking about? Well, Susie grows it really well and Tommy doesn't, like, listen, you don't know what you're doing, (laughs) that doesn't fly. So you can't take that information to somebody else and say it works because you don't have any any real data, right? So as Adam says, if you don't have data, it's just another opinion. And that's what the space can tend to be, it's just lots of opinions. You know, I want to grow this strain because takes my husband's clothes off and the strain likes Led Zeppelin. I mean, that was that was eight years ago. You know what I mean? You need to make a business case for stuff now. What's well, the one to have them put it back on? <laughs> right? That's I think that's actually Jack Johnson, I think. Sure. Uh, or, or, or Just Bubble kidding, Dump. honey. I love you. <laughs> but you know, it's, you do you have to make a business decision, right? You have to make yeah. make the case to your investors to why you change strains or why you want more lights or why you need to go to another configuration um and and it's it's a big deal you know it's in, in the cultivation side one of the reasons we we like the um the vertical system is the cost but people forget about the human factor and i wanted to mention this because you can put more plants in a building it's a lot of ways to do that right but there's the right amount of plants right and then how do they, how how do the employees affected by the configuration right and you see people working on a four bay table at the scrog and leaning over. That's a hard job, right? People get into cannabis because they like the plant and they want to be close to the plant and they hate their job in two weeks. If you stick them, you know, scouting plants like that. And so it's a hard job. So when we went to the vertical, one of the things that came out of it with Adams, you know, doing A-B testing and actually showing that that you could you could scout a room with the same amount of plants or actually more plants because we got more plants in the space in about 20% of the time that it takes people that use a, a traditional, right? And it's an easier job. And where people break and how people have their days and keeping employees a big part of the space and what we really struggle with is, is yeah. that, right? Turnover costs a lot of money. So if you have a good harvest schedule and the job changes every day for the person and it's not backbreaking like, you know, like a traditional grow, where everyone's trying to get every plant they can in there and they forget about people moving in there and existing in there and air movement. So there's always a right size and a right layout to not only meet your plant count to make every, you know, make the the finances work, but also make your employees not, you know, 
drive off the reservation, right? They're, 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 they're going to lose their minds and they quit and they go next door where they, they don't have to go out to the food truck in the alley. They can actually have a place to break and, 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 you know, have a life, right. Do they like their job? So that's one thing we do in our design is, is Adam's really cognizant of is, uh, is people's downtime and their workflow and, and the human element, which I think is a big part. And it's, it is less expensive if you make it work like that. Right. So it's a better, better, uh, better way to keep employees training and retraining people is really expensive in any business. Right. Yeah. Efficiency. It makes money. <laughs> no doubt. Um, so you had uh, given a nod uh, a little earlier to um, psychedelics and, um, you know, everything you're talking about here um, complements functional mushrooms and, and things mm. like that. And and so can you talk a little bit about um, one, your, your, I guess, your understanding of, of functional mushrooms and, and sure. what they are and what they can do. And then where steeper grown kind of fits into this growing ecosystem or we're building the ecosystem as we're using it. Like how do, how do yeah. you guys see yourselves in that space? Yeah, I appreciate that. And um, so it's funny because I told you at the beginning why I got into cannabis, but I'm not a cannabis user myself. It's just not my jam, you know, you know I like wine, I like whiskey. But I, I actually prefer uh, mushrooms, functional mushrooms, um, psilocybin or not, microdosing and, and those things. And I love what's happening there. And it was for us at, at Steeper Grown, um, it was natural because we were doing vertical grows. And, and almost every mushroom, even if you talk about just, you know, oyster mushrooms in Pennsylvania underground, they're all bunk beds. They're all vertically stacked, right? So it was just a natural progression for us. People came to us and said, we want to do functional mushrooms, right? So we already have most of the designs and the care. Um, we, we know how to design them and how to manage that and everything. So so Adam just jumped in. We've got great connections there in, in actually traditional mushroom farmers, right? Legacy guys. And then into the new space um, and particularly in Colorado, again, being at the forefront, Colorado, you're going to see is going to be at the forefront of this. And when I say functional mushrooms, I mean, it's not just, say, psilocybin, which gets a lot of attention because it's psychedelic, obviously, but it's everything, reishi, cordyceps, lion's mane, et cetera, et cetera. And versions of, of those are just starting to get into the limelight. What I find interesting is, and we talked a little bit about the M word, right? What I find interesting about, about uh, mushrooms is people have a, a much better acceptance of a discussion when you start talking about plant-based medicine and functional mushrooms and some of the things like uh, anxiety, depression, PTSD, they don't know what psilocybin means, but you, you, even if you use it, they're not losing their mind over it. I try to stay away from magic mushrooms as the terminology. I think a lot of that kind of stuff doesn't do us justice, but but we don't have to get over the word marijuana, right? That word has been just baked in and people are stuck on it and everything. So with the, with the cannabis space, we had to get past that and continue to get past that, frankly. Um, with functional mushrooms and, and plant-based medicines based around psilocybin, I don't think we have that. More people, I, now it's like back in the day, right? Back in the day, when you told somebody you were in cannabis, that you couldn't get them up. An hour, they're talking to you, right? There's, oh, tell me about it. My brother owns a farm and my sister uses What stock should I buy? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, exactly, right? But what's that all about? And then, but but now it's the same thing. If I tell people that personally, I like microdosing and I like, I, I, I do it often and I get... Um, uh, products and and you know 
different things. You see Kachava everywhere now or Mudwater, which are different things that you products that are out there that I've tried them all. And, and then looking of those at my super fun. mush right now. <laughs> oh yeah. You got some, I mean, yeah. tinctures, man, they're easy to make and they can, they're, they, they have a, an impact. So I think people have to get out there and just explore and discover. I, I think it's not going away. I think it's just going to get better. And then, you know, descheduling and getting more legal, more access, more research, it's all going to come. Right. So for, for us, it's deeper grown. We're, we're now looking at all kinds of things like with the, with the slowdown of funding and, and cannabis uh, over the last couple of years, you know, um, we started getting into food, whether it's through things like enrichment systems, doing aquaponics and hydroponics, and then the food desert exposure through, you know, with Ukraine and fertilizer and things, people trying to grow locally, right. Trying to do vertical farming near your food deserts and food deserts aren't actual, like, it's not just the Caribbean that's a food desert. It's it's downtown Detroit. It's downtown yeah. Memphis, where there's no good food. And by the time it gets there, it's got about, you know, a 17-minute shelf life where it looks yeah. terrible. So so we are now, right, really doing a lot more exploratory work and, and consulting around food and mushrooms um, and growing, which is just all, you know, indoor cultivation, controlled atmosphere, um, you know, uh, growing and, and, um, strategies and technologies, but I love the, I love the mushroom side. I think there's going to be more and more comes out of that. Um, you can see it now with these different funding shows. They almost bolt on a psychedelics version of the show at the end of the cannabis, because it's a very like-minded person and it's still, you know, finding money that's not afraid of, of getting in and and everything. So, uh, for me personally, I I think it's great. I think more and more people are going to start to understand microdosing and more and more people are going to do it. And and you can't, I I think you have to be smart when you're exploring it, right? You have to find the right stuff because you could have a bad experience. It's like going to the drug dealer or even going to, um, uh, going to a, a dispensary, you don't go into a liquor store and say, can I have a handle of vodka or a bar? You know, you don't just go in yeah. and get the most high THC product. You don't go in and macrodose because you want to try it. I mean, if you do great, a lot of people have done that, but the reality is, you know, you've got to learn what it's like for your own endocannabinoid system. You have to learn how it affects you. And um, the, what I've learned about, about mushrooms, particularly when you get into the psilocybin world is it really doesn't, I don't believe it doesn't really uh, matter how tolerant or how big you are, or how little you are. <laughs> I think one, one thing I'm learning about, about the mushroom world is that it's very personal, how it affects you and, and what impacts, which, which products work, which ways. Um, and you could be a 120 pound woman or a 280 pound man. And I, I really don't think, <laughs> you know, it, it affects you the same way as, as like liquor does. Uh, or you grow a tolerance to weed. You know, I, I don't know if that's factual, but that's been my experience in talking to people anecdotally that have tried it. And some people just have a natural tolerance and some people really get affected uh, differently. So it's it's a personal journey, but I'm glad that the gloves are off. We're getting more and more people out there making products. You, know, you see what's happening with Jake Plummer's uh, group, Umbo. I don't know if you tried that product, Dan, but mm-hmm. um, that's, you look them up, UMBO. Um, yep. we, we dig oh. their products and tinctures and and Jake Plummer's got, you know, some, um, you know, he's a former football player, very big into CBD and and other things. But you see more and more celebrities coming out. And Mike Tyson, I know you've had him on the show and different people that are shining a light on these things, right, for head injuries and, and whatnot. So I'd like to see it get more into the military, do some more testing in the, the military and veterans areas, right? We still have a lot of work to do there in cannabis as well. But um, more and more, it's just more and more accepted. Right, MBA, uh, MLB, 
all these different places right. where where it makes it more mainstream. I think you get an opportunity. I think psychedelics is going to be um, the next big effective wave for sure. Whenever I hear people talk about mushrooms, it just it always brings me back to that one line in the movie The Departed where Mark Wahlberg's talking to Alec Baldwin and he's like, "My theory on feds is they're like mushrooms. Feed them shit and keep them in the dark." <laughs> <laughs> good movie from my hometown of boston <laughs> uh, we're coming up on time here though but uh you know just one last quick thing uh you're going to be in vegas next for at the uh, what's it called the licensing expo i'm not going to get there this year unfortunately okay um yeah i'm not going to be out there um but what's the conference then where are you going next um i'm going to be at the math show right so that's probably the next thing I'll be at, which is a couple of weeks in, in Colorado for you guys will be there as well. So we'll, we'll get together. Um, there's actually, yeah, where, where should we go? You know, where are some good spots that we should hit up while we're out there? Out in, out in, uh, out in Denver. Denver. Besides the Bucks, change. It, it, it is, there is a zillion places to go there. I think right now we have more distilleries and breweries than any place in the country based on the law. So you can, you can't, you can't uh, swing a cat without finding a good brewery there for sure. But, you know, I recommend if you get there and it's nice, I mean, go to, go to a Rockies game. I mean, right now they're, they're oh, kind of crazy. I for love the, that. Uh, it's the, the stadium's beautiful. Um, it and they're crazy gorgeous. right now for their nuggets too, right? The nuggets are in the, in the finals, which is unheard of. My Celtics choked, but um, the nuggets are there, but I, honestly, I, there's some places I go. My secret favorite place is a, is a Italian restaurant called Angelo's on sixth Avenue get the, the right, go there so shout, get shout out to eric and that group um right. just so many good places though and what's great about about denver too phil if you're going there is there's no real bugs there so everything has a rooftop or a deck or some garage door that opens so you're never it's not like arizona where you're trapped in the air conditioning or memphis yeah. or atlanta where this mosquitoes will carry your children away i mean you gotta you can really go out and enjoy the rooftop bars that's what i would say all right. Angelo's on sixth rooftop bars there yeah, and you're paying. I'll be there. We'll see you in two weeks or so. Sounds or good. next week, depending on when you air this right. Ann. Uh, this week. There you go. This week. Right? <laughs> we're here. So, we're here right now. We're in the future. We're in the future. I love that. Well, I, I get that. Well, I hope that was helpful. Don't tell me what happens. I will. <laughs> yeah. It's I just, I'll tell you which horse to bet on next week. <laughs> yeah, that'd be great. Um, Dano, it's been a future. real yeah, it's been a real pleasure. Thank you so much. We look forward to meeting you in person yeah, um, sure. and following uh, the the steeper grown journey. So thanks so yeah, much for joining thanks us. Thanks for letting us chat. I really appreciate it. Nice to see you all and have a great weekend. See Thank you. Huge thanks to Dan O'Neill, founding partner of Steeper Grown. Check them out at steepergrown.com. As always, thanks for listening. If you want to chat with us, check us out on Twitter at the underscore Green Rush or on Instagram at the Green Rush underscore podcast or send us an email at greenrush at kcsa.com. And don't forget to subscribe to the Green Rush in your favorite podcatcher. That's one take, Shay, one take. Cannabis! Cannabis!